Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast. We are a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. This is James White. Hey, this is Jamie Owens, church member at Lighthouse Community Church. Daniel, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm the youth pastor at Calera Baptist Church in Calera, man. Alabama. Man, you do a better job introducing yourself because I almost messed that up last time. <laughs> You've been there for like three years now. I know it hasn't been that long. And I still forget what city you live in sometimes. I've been where? I said you've been there like three years. I've been here for a year and a half. I, I know. <laughs> then that's why I said I know it has not quite that long. It's been a fantastic year and a half. I'll tell you what. It's been so good. It feels like three years, right? It's been so good. It feels like it's been about four months. Not that okay, it's, so you, it hasn't presented, it's certainly presented its challenges at times, but it's, it's been so awesome. I'm basing my equation off of the old saying that time flies when you're having fun. So it should feel like you've been there longer, but I guess you're basing it off of if it's a bad time, it feels like you've been there forever. Acknowledge yes. that so that people will know, know what yes. we're talking about. <laughs> Just not in your head does not count. <laughs> <laughs> I forget they can't see me. <laughs> Well, I'll start with myself this week, uh, since I always let y'all go first. Everything is going good on my end and in my ministry. Actually looking at taking off this Sunday and possibly going up near Calera, Alabama and visiting with Daniel. And this is going to be taking place the day before the podcast releases. And other than that, we've had a good time, um, just Christmas season and brothers in town and looking forward to um, having some friends and family over for the New Year's evening. And we'll see if I'm still a younger enough man to stay up till 12. Probably not. So that should um, be hey, fun. Hey, I'm going to throw this random question in there and we're all going to answer it. What was your favorite thing that you did on Christmas Day? Favorite thing you did on Christmas Day? Wow, you guys must have had really awesome <laughs> Christmas days. Yeah, it was like a week ago. I can't remember that far. My favorite thing I did, I'll, I'll start. My favorite thing I did was I stayed in sweatpants and a t-shirt all day long. Didn't put on any type of dress clothes or nothing like that. It was one of the most laid back, relaxed Christmases I've ever had, and I loved it. Okay, I didn't have that joy because this is the first time, and I think in six years, all of my brothers have been together on Christmas or been together in general. Well, so, so was that your favorite thing that all your brothers were together? Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, well, it, that happened before, so that happened Christmas Eve. So I wasn't going to say that, but I'll let that one count if you. That's, that's let fine. My answers. I'll let it slide. Yeah, slide. And so I dressed somewhat decent because I knew we were going to be taking pictures everywhere we went, and we did. So that was my favorite thing about the Christmas okay. season. Yeah, I'd say my favorite thing was. It's actually the first year that our oldest daughter is really kind of understand what's going on Yeah, uh, with the whole Christmas deal. So this was the first Christmas we could really see, you know, her get into opening the toys and enjoying yeah. all that. And we sat yeah. down as a family and read the Christmas story and, you know, she could really engage with that. And That's I cool. think that was the best, best part of this Christmas. Awesome. And I will say um, I definitely respect it and appreciate it much more now than I did when I was a child, but, Every year, my my grandfather on my mother's side has this tradition that he reads the Christmas story, and he's done that every year since I guess since any of us has been born. And so, yeah. um, for twenty, I have never missed a Christmas with them. So for twenty seven years, every year, mm -hmm. um, and I actually bought him a book 
that he'll be able to record a very similar abridged version of the Christmas story, and that if he ever passed or anything like that, yeah. my my daughter could hear it. And yes. so uh, that's that was awesome. maybe that's maybe cool. that was that's my favorite cool. thing. There you um, go. But there's different things. So you reserve the right to change it since this, since that was an off the cuff question. So I'll let I'll let it go. <laughs> that's right. And and just so, just a sidebar there. Jamie made me feel so selfish in my favorite thing because of what he said his favorite thing was. So thank you, Jamie, for conviction. I appreciate it. Especially since, since, you're, here for, man. Especially since your daughters are about the same age, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Crap. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Well, maybe you want to not be selfish with the next question. How's everything else been since we recorded? Man, things have been good. Just, just uh, having a lot of family time this holiday season and, uh, it's been really nice. So things have been good here. Just getting geared up for 2019. Got a lot going on uh, this coming year in, in our church. And so excited and ready for uh, coming days and, and more than likely the coming challenges that are ahead. So that's it, man. Besides that, just waiting on waiting on our little boy to come. So with Lyra, do y'all not do a winter trip with the youth or that's not like something that, that uh, last year we did what we call the winter staycation is basically like a disciple now weekend that we did. Yeah. Uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and that it was good. It was a good event. This year, we're going to do it a little more of the traditional time uh, in the spring, like when, when we're getting yeah. ready for spring. We're going to actually do it in April. Uh, we're going to do our Disciple Now weekend, and so we're not we're not doing a winter retreat this time this year. Maybe next year, but um, as I've gotten further into ministry, I've kind of grown to not like winter retreats anymore. Well, That's they're just so my rushed. Thing. Well, a lot of times rushed. they're so rushed because yeah. most of the time they you leave the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas, and you either get back right before New Year's or you're gone on New Year's. Yeah, and um, it's yeah. just a lot more difficult. And on top of that, I mean, just being completely honest, it costs a lot of money yeah. um, for such a short, rushed trip. And so, that's well, just my personal my personal feelings about it. What do you think about for the family sake too? You know, a lot of people do Christmas now different than they did 10, 15 years ago. And mm -hmm. families aren't doing stuff until after Christmas or, mm -hmm. um, and I hate this like this, but especially divorce families and things like that. Yep. There's more time. There's more times that kids can't do things during this time of the year. Right. So spring's probably better anyhow. Well, yep. Jamie, how's everything been going on your own? We actually just got back from traveling ourselves. We were, um, Visiting my wife's family down in Butler, Alabama. If anybody knows where that's at, it's, it's about as well known as Vernon, Alabama. Uh, so we just got back from that. Uh, had a three-hour trip down there Friday, three hours back yesterday evening. So that was enjoyable. Also, I'm looking forward to a really wonderful opportunity I'm going to have here next Sunday where I'm going to be able to go down to a church near Eufaula, Alabama to preach uh so I'm, I'm looking forward to that kind of getting prepared for that and and working on on my sermon uh but other than that it's, it's pretty standard i'm enjoying some time off during these christmas uh during the christmas season so that, that's pretty much all for me that's awesome man that's good stuff i'm glad you can be able to go preach and um so it's gonna be an interesting sunday for both of us because neither one of us will be at lighthouse so. yeah but, you know, I forgot to mention this, but what's really cool for me being able to go 
uh, anytime being able to leave and spend time with just my wife or when my daughter gets here with her on the weekend, it's enjoyable. But it's also pretty cool that I'm able to call back the guy that planted the church to come and preach. Mm -hmm. And so that excites me, uh, especially with, I think I mentioned this last time, really a resurgence of the original mission of the church to reach the first responders in our community. And um, so he being a first responder and the planner of the church out of a ambulance service was pretty cool uh, opportunity for the very first of the year as we jumpstart that. So excited about that. But this episode, as we get ready to go into the conversation, we're going to be looking at Donald Whitney's book, the sixth chapter, as we've been looking at every first Monday so far. And we've got to the point of evangelism for the purpose of godliness. Now, if you go back to August the fifth, August the fifth, I believe we did an episode called relational evangelism. And that August the 5th may not be the right date, but it's the first Monday in August. We looked at relational evangelism and we discussed this topic in that episode, but we're going to try to approach it a little bit differently because we're looking at this in the idea of it being a, a discipline of the Christian. And so we're going to be looking at it in three aspects. We're going to be looking at evangelism is, is we're going to be looking at evangelism is expected. Evangelism is empowered and evangelism is is a discipline. And we're going to kind of look at it in these three tiers. So as we get ready to look in, uh, to jump into the conversation, let's begin by looking at evangelism is expected. I'm not sure if this is a quote from Donald Whitney or if this is a quote from uh, Chris, the other co-host, as he was teaching this at his church. But the very first thing I thought it was important to notice is that he does not expect all Christians to use the same methods of evangelism, but he does expect all Christians to evangelize. And I think that's very crucial that we first look at is that evangelism is something that we're expected to do, though it may look different, though our approaches may vary, and though we may disagree individuals may disagree somewhat on how to evangelize. There is many ways out there to evangelize. I think the important thing is that we do practice this in our Christian life. I think that, you know, just to kind of add a, a little bit to that statement, the, this statement, evangelism is expected, is possibly one of the most ignored statements in the in American Christian culture uh, today. Because the majority of folks who are just your quote-unquote average Christian who may not potentially view themselves as an everyday minister like we are you know, talking about on our podcast, they would say that evangelism is more for those who have that gift of okay. evangelism. Uh, well, I'm not good at talking to people, or I'm not good at bringing this up, or I'm not good at that. And so they basically just kind of pass the buck, so to speak with the expectation that someone else will, will take care of that for me. And so this statement here kind of debunks that, that evangelism, not, it doesn't say that it's expected in certain people. It says it's expected period, which means that that, that kind of fits for all Christians. That's a one size fits all painted brush, so to speak, uh, that covers every Christian and saying we are all expected to, share the gospel and to evangelize the world around us. I agree completely. I would say that uh, personally, I don't have any stats or anything to back this up, but I would say that the most neglected spiritual disciplines we see that Whitney talks about 
it's possibly evangelism is number one and then reading of the scripture is number two because most people do pray to some extent now if they're praying correctly that's another question and they do worship and if they're worshiping correctly that's another story as well but i think this one is one of the most neglected one but i think it is important that we define what evangelism is and so jamie you want to take a crack at that yeah i think the simplest definition is evangelism is telling people the gospel of jesus christ that that would be the simplest explanation and, and specifically to non-christians to non-believers uh and, and you know we're uh we are commanded to go out and to make disciples by christ matthew 28 and this is kind of the method that we're using we're going out we're telling people the story of Christ. We're helping to lead them, help them to understand uh, what, why we need a Savior in Jesus and showing them what it takes to be saved, to receive salvation. And that's that's kind of the very simple definition. Uh, if y'all want to add some finer points to that, y'all can. But I just kind of wanted to keep it simple so that uh, we didn't get bogged down in this definition. Yeah, I think it's, it's simply just proclaiming the good news of Christ to those that need to hear it, which is everyone. But like you said, specifically those that do not know Christ, which I do think that adds a tricky and difficult thing for many living in what we would call the Bible belt of America Mm -hmm. is that so often there's so many people that would say that they are believers or are Christians that may not necessarily be that. And I think that adds a difficult thing to that. And I don't know if you face this, Daniel, whenever you were part of the Caskey Center for School, but I really faced that whenever part of the scholarship that I still have and Daniel did until he left his previous church was that we have to share the gospel with someone every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. It was a very challenging and difficult mm-hmm. thing to do, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to what I'm talking about here is that what I found out when trying to do that is there's so many people that claim to be followers of Christ that you may personally know that you wouldn't have never guessed that they were followers of Jesus. Right. Um, and it makes that part of evangelism difficult. And so you almost have to really re ask the individual what they think the gospel is mm-hmm. in evangelizing the gospel to them. And then maybe fixing some of the issues and the, and the things that they have wrong in that. Um, and like we said, I think there's so many methods to that, but you know, one of my favorite ones is one that, um, God really opened up my eyes to when I read the book, where's the gospel by, I can't think of his name right now, but it's, um, (laughs) it's one I've recommended on at least, I don't know, 15 episodes of the everyday mission (laughs) podcast. And, uh, it's one that I'm walking the church through the first of the years, one that we really base our worship service after is just the gospel itself. And it's really four parts. It's God, man, Christ response. And it's really those four things. And most of the time, what I realize when I evangelize is that we have a misconception on the first one and that is God. And we don't, if we don't have God right in our understanding of the gospel, then none of it makes sense then. If, cause if God's not perfect, God's not holy, then, then if they don't truly understand who God is, then they are not going to understand why they need Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Right. Well, and I would say uh, to kind of go back to when you were mentioning about the expectation, the responsibility that we had because of the requirements of this scholarship that we had for school, the, the main thing that provided was accountability. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, we were we were expected to do it, not just by God's word, like we're talking about right here, but by our school 
for the sake of keeping our scholarship in order to get our education. So it's like, okay, hey, they're not asking a whole lot of us, really. I mean, all they're doing is asking us to do the thing we're supposed to be doing anyways. And and only once and only doing it once in a week. Once a week. Right. And so (laughs) when that kind of put it into perspective at first, I thought, well, they can't ask me to do that. And then I thought, why not? They're giving me all this money. They can put any boundaries, guidelines on that if they want to. But what I found that that did was it caused me to stop looking at evangelism as an option and look at it as an expectation, look at it as something that I must be doing because that's what, that's a major portion of what God has called me to do. And if I can add this in there and I don't intend to take us down a big long rabbit trail, but I got the opportunity to preach at my church yesterday. I got to preach out of Romans 10 and the scripture that I focused on was where Paul tells the people in Rome that the message it's not far from you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. And so just kind of looking at that statement as two sides of a coin where your heart is one side and your mouth is the other side. If you neglect either side of that message that we have, that responsibility that we have, then there are going to be gaping holes in your walk with God. And those holes will absolutely cause eternal casualties in the lives of others and even potentially in our own life. Um, and so the main thing that I was really focusing on there was that the message that we have, that we, the gospel is the message, the message that we have to take out into the world with us, it's not that difficult. It's not far from us. It's not that hard for us to comprehend personally and to communicate outwardly. It's just a matter of making a decision to say, I have this responsibility. And when we place that responsibility on ourselves, really we're allowing the Holy spirit to place that responsibility on us. When we do that, all of a sudden the whole concept of evangelism changes and we're able to view it from more of a, um, not an obligation, but from more of a passion and a, and a drive, a burden for others. And, and it just changes the whole outlook of what evangelism really is. Well, I think evangelism must be something that we practice out of a desire to see people come to know Christ. That's right. And I think it only makes sense if we truly understand the gospel and what God has done for us in the power and the work of Christ, then we should desire to take that news to someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I I hate to use analogies like this because I think we hate on it so often, but you know, there was no shortage of Facebook posts and announcements Saturday around 11 o'clock about Alabama beating Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I don't know. (laughs) I watched the game Uh, beating Oklahoma. There was no shortage of that, right? There's in next Monday, if they win, that's all we're going to see is we're either going to see people loving that Alabama won, or we're going to see that people hating that Alabama won. And there's no shortage of that. And I know that's a very detailed explanation for people in Alabama mainly, but, you know, if the gospel is really what we say it is and it's really changed our hearts and our lives and it's brought the only hope that we have in life and death, then we should share the gospel as an outflow. Right. But the beautiful thing about us sharing the gospel is that the power of saving individuals is not in us. Yeah. All right. So we, we've defined what evangelism is. And we have seen that we are commanded to evangelize. But we know for a fact that many Christians do not seek to share the gospel. They do not seek to evangelize. Why do y'all think this is? Why do you think that many Christians, I would say the vast majority of people, at least who identify as Christian, do not make any effort to go out and 
evangelize unbelievers? Ask the question one more time. Narrow it down a little bit for me. How come Christians do not evangelize? So many Christians do not evangelize. Well, I, I, that's, a, I guess, a twofold question. I would say, though, the, the biggest part of that is kind of based on the second point there about evangelism being empowered. The biggest reason for that is that we don't typically believe or interact with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not going to view evangelism as something that he leads us to go and accomplish. We're going to view it as more of an educational level where I've got to have all the right answers. I've got to be able to ask all the right questions. I've got to be smart enough and cunning enough to carry the conversation. And most of the time people don't feel equipped to do that. And they're more, more afraid of being backed into a corner in the midst of a gospel centered conversation than they are about just having open, open dialogue with a person and together coming to the conclusion of the gospel, if that makes sense. And, and, and the reality is that's not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility to be able to carry the conversation perfectly. It's our responsibility, A, to have faith in the Lord and B, just to begin to walk in that conversation, even if we're backed into a corner and be able to do it with hope and belief that God's going to be the one to give us the words we need in the midst of the conversation. Most people don't don't view it that way. And there's more fear that I'm going to fail than there is faith that I'm going to succeed. I believe, and I got to be careful in the way I say this, but I believe that one of the number one reasons why people don't share the gospel, first and foremost, is because they don't truly know what the gospel is, which is very confusing. If they don't know what the gospel is, then how did they come to Christ and salvation? And y'all can think on that yourself. I th- but I think the number two reason is that they kind of, as Daniel was alluding to there, is that they think that they have something to do with the individual coming to Christ and salvation. And if they think that and they have that mentality, rightfully, they feel like that they can mess it up. Yep. And I don't want to, I don't want to remove the fact that God does use men and women sure. to share the gospel through the word of God to individuals so that he can save their soul through the word of God. Now, I don't want to remove that. And I'm not saying we should just go into an encounter, not prepared, not um, in the word of God, not praying and communicating with our heavenly father. But in all reality, we can't mess up when coming to Christ and salvation. But what we can do is not share the gospel and not do the work that God is calling us to. Evangelism is a very beautiful thing because even though I don't understand why God chooses to use this means of saving loss, that he would take infallible creature, not infallible creature, fallible creatures, and that's how he would take his message out into the world. And I don't understand why God would choose to do it that way, but he does. Yeah, I think that's a, a beautiful aspect of evangelism is that God does use normal people. Like he doesn't use, you know, the best speakers. Some of the best evangelists are men who are not very well, uh, who, who are not very good speakers. They're not able to bring out their points very well. They're not able to speak very well. There are many people that, that have speech, and impe- speech impediments that are able to share the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. 
<laughs> Speeching impediments. <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping nobody called. Oh man, I called it, but I was going to leave it on the audio and just move on with my. There life. was so much, so much irony in that statement. Just keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so God's able to use just common people. He doesn't need the best speakers, the best, right. the the best looking people. I mean, he can use anybody to share the gospel you know there there's men that i think i think of this man i can't i don't know his name who doesn't have any arms or legs born like that way but he goes out and shares the gospel i mean obviously this isn't going to be a very impressive looking man uh, according to worldly standards but god uses men and women like that every day to bring people to know him and to know christ as lord well even if you want to take some biblical examples of that you think of and I mean, I know everybody's thinking of it right now, but you think about Moses. What was yeah. his number one excuse? Is that uh, that I'm not a, I stutter. I'm not able to speak correctly. And uh, obviously, God still intervened and used Joshua um, in, in the work that He did through Moses. But before He even did that, that I think Aaron. God, Aaron, thank you. Aaron. I knew Aaron. I said Joshua, and I was like, that's not right. Um, even Aaron. even then, you know, we do see that God did use Aaron to help. Moses in this encounters, but we know that even eventually they still take, he still speaks, he still speaks up and talks about God. And um, I think, I think really boils down to though, is that we can make excuses to not do things all day long. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important that we're looking at it in the context of it being a spiritual discipline, because evangelism isn't something that we're not only called to do. It's not only something that the spirit enables us to do and then calls one to salvation in Christ, but it is also something that, that the gospel itself has a power in and of itself because it is the good news of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's just an amazing thing. Let me add another point to uh, some reasons why people don't evangelize. Of course we've covered, you know, many people are scared, you know, many people, think that it's on them so that will lead them not to do it but let's also acknowledge that some people are just lazy and don't want to go out and evangelize because it is a hard thing to do it's hard to uh pour your life into someone else's life and 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 tell them about christ and many times that's what we have to do to evangelize family and friends is really pour ourselves emotionally and spiritually into that person and uh, for, for many people they just don't want to do that well, I think it could even go a step farther because if we evangelize in our personal lives, in our day-to-day lives, then if one comes to Christ in salvation, then it's our responsibility to also teach them how to yeah, follow to Christ too. And I think I don't, I don't, we don't need to separate. I know we're separating the two here, kind of, but they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. They are. Um, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty, doesn't just say go evangelize. Right. This is go make disciples. And we forget, we forget and, about that many times. Yeah, it, so often. And I think yeah. that adds another part of of evangelizing that would cause us to be lazy or neglectful mm-hmm. because we we ourselves aren't ready to teach one to follow Christ because maybe we're not necessarily doing it in the correct way either. Right. Robbie Gallaty talks about it too in his book. Uh, he talks about, you know, evangelism and discipleship being two oars in a boat. And yeah. if you're only using, if you're only exercising evangelism or you're only exercising discipleship, then it, imagine only having one oar on one mm-hmm. side of your boat. All you're going to do is go in circles. Uh, and so evangelism, discipleship, they are two oars. They must both be used simultaneously. And and that's, that's a, 
it's a difficult thing to accomplish on a regular basis, but that's why we are making this point that it is empowered. Because if it was up to me to accomplish these things and to maintain balance, I'm going to fail. And so that's where this empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes in. He's the one who makes sure that the boat stays on the straight path. He's the one that makes sure that we continue to exercise both sides of this thing the way we're supposed to. Because if it's up to us, we will fail. Absolutely, we will. And that's why so many people do fail in their effort to evangelize, because they don't place faith and trust in the Holy Spirit. And that, yeah. that's where that's where this comes from. That's where our success comes from, f- down to the individual, all the way up to the corporate body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It comes through empowerment of the Holy Spirit, every single aspect. I want to add this. I don't, I don't think... The individual I'm talking about will ever hear, hear this, so I think it's okay. But, you know, I think so often we also don't evangelize because we're not open to the opportunities that God provides. Mm-hmm. And we're not really ready to receive those opportunities also. Uh, and I'm talking to mainly pastors when I say this because I think this is something that pastors deal with so often. Um, I know I do myself is that so often we get focused on what we have to do day to day or we have to do for the church or for preaching or Bible studies, or whatever the case may be, that we lose sight of the moments that we do have to evangelize. And what I, what I really appreciate about, you know, talking about it being empowered, evangelism is empowered by the Holy Spirit, is that God not only empowers us to do it, God not only empowers the gospel to be a life-changing thing, God not only empowers the, the individual to believe, but he also empowers the encounters that we have in this life of sharing the gospel. Um, like I think of most recently, there's a, there's a gentleman that's come into my life that um, honestly I shouldn't, I shouldn't be talking with to a, to a guy like this um, because we are just two totally different people. Um, but it's, it's about taking opportunity to share Christ with him. Like the first time I really got to share Christ with him, he was willing to come to church and then, uh, we didn't have service. So he took flower, he took fruit baskets out with me, which was really odd, (laughs) but it was great. And then like two days ago, I had the opportunity to go help him dig up a water line at his house and taking opportunities to share the gospel with him. And even in moments like that. So you're Um, saying that culturally you shouldn't be associated with, with this guy. Culturally, economically, uh, personally, a lot of different things. So um, by the world and, standards. Yes. But yeah. what God has done is he's opened this opportunity yeah. for me to share the gospel with him. And I think so often we don't we don't recognize those moments. No, no. Um, well, and, and that's a beautiful picture that not only does does evangelism take place in the most apparent inopportune times, <laughs> but it also takes place because of the fact that the gospel is the one and only thing in this universe that can tear down those type of cultural walls. Exactly. It's the gospel. Eventually anything else in the world will reveal itself as a fraud and the cultural walls will build themselves back up. But mm-hmm. the gospel is the only thing in this universe that can truly tear down those type of walls to where you can come to love a person and have more in common than you ever thought possible because of the gospel power. Well, and then the gospel power also, this is something that's always amazed me, but it takes very, very negative things in this world and turns them into something that can be used for good. And I love that about what God does in the life of individuals. I mean, I think of what um, Joseph tells his brothers, 
what you meant for me as harm, God meant for me as good. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I've seen people come to know Christ after losing a loved one to cancer. I've seen people mm-hmm. come to know Christ after losing uh, a peer that is younger than them, uh, around the same age as the young self. You know what I'm saying? I see the gospel work in amazing ways. I think we just have to recognize it. Yeah. And we have to be willing for God to use us in those ways. Well, to, uh, transition us to our to our final point uh and just to kind of recap real quickly the first thing we talked about was that evangelism is expected and then we talked about evangelism being empowered and and i believe that we hit on that one even greater than we could have ever imagined in this conversation i think we hit all over that talking about just the power of the gospel the power of the holy spirit um and then our final point that we want to talk about in our podcast episode today is is that evangelism is a discipline plain and simple we can view discipline in every single area of life, or we can view the lack of discipline in areas of our lives. And we can see how either the presence or the lack of affect different parts of our lives. Um, So for example, exercise, if I'm disciplining myself to exercise on a regular basis, then I will see results. And that exercise begins to make a greater impact on my overall physical health because of the discipline that I've put in to see that happen. Well, evangelism is the same way. If I'm disciplining myself to exercise evangelism, then not only will I see a greater impact of, you know, in the, in the kingdom of God, because people will, without doubt, scripture promises that people will come to salvation through a constant and consistent practice of evangelism. Um, But there's also going to be a greater impact in my own personal life because of my constant effort to bring other people to encountering the gospel power of God. Now, I know this is, some people love this word, some people hate this word, uh, but the word is intentionality. Um, And I think it, like any other discipline that we've talked about so far and will talk about, is that you have to be intentional when being disciplined. Uh, it's something you have to plan to do, something you have to be ready to do. Um, it's something that you have to be in a mindset to do. And so I think when we look at this idea of it being a discipline, if you're listening to this and you don't know how to present the gospel well, find a resource that's going to help you be able to and then practice it. I, I think we, uh, in, for the sake of wanting to be genuine, we aren't ready to do it so often. And then it just becomes another excuse of why we don't. And then even pastors or uh, youth pastors out there, you know, talk with your congregation, ask them if they know how to share the gospel. I know uh, for myself, I, I've done this several times and I, I do think there's some in my church that don't know how to share the gospel. And that's why we are, I'm being very intentional as a pastor to walk through the, what is the gospel book in small groups at the first of the year, so that we are able to understand the gospel, to present the gospel, um, because we can't expect our people to share the gospel with people if they don't know how to do it. And so um, that's something that we have to be intentionally doing in our lives. Um, And I I, I feel like this in a lot of ways in my life, um, with my relationship with my wife, with my relationship with God, with my work or any kind of exercise I might do. If I don't schedule it or if I don't plan to do this, then I'm not going to do it. That's right. uh, now, we do have to be open to opportunities, like mm-hmm. I said a minute ago. We have to be open to the opportunities that just may randomly arise in our life, but maybe it's intentionally inviting someone to your house that's lost for dinner, yeah. or maybe it's 
intentionally talking to that coworker that doesn't know Christ, or I go to the same gas station almost every time because when I first moved here, I wanted to get to know people that may not know Jesus. So I go to the same gas station. It's a gas station where they pump your gas for you. And so I have the opportunity to talk to their, their workers every time I get my gas. Uh, I do that pretty much every time I get gas here in Vernon. Go to the same person cutting your hair. I mean, yeah. there's different things that you can do to be intentional in opportunities to evangelize. And I would say that the more we discipline ourselves to do things like that, the more random opportunities we're going to have and the more vigilant and alert we're going to be to take those random opportunities when they arise. Well, I think it's kind of like a, a muscle, you know, when you work it out, uh, it's going to get easier over time. And I'm not saying it's ever going to be easy necessarily. There is, there's always going to be a hard part in going out and telling people about Christ. But as you do it more, as you get used to it, you will get more comfortable doing it. And like you, y'all have been saying is that those opportunities will spring up. Those opportunities will be easier to see. Uh, but the, the thing is that you have to do it. You have to actually go out and, evangelize you can't just sit around and wait until you feel like doing it because if you wait until you feel like doing it more than likely you will never actually do it and that's pretty much true with anything in, in life if if you want uh, if you wait until you feel like going to church on a sunday morning it, it, there's there's going to be probably some sunday mornings where you want to but for the most part you're not going to wake up on sunday and feel like going uh you kind of have to be intentional as we've been talking about in putting this into effect and disciplining yourself to do what we've been commanded to do, which is share the gospel. Well, and I think this goes back to looking at the fears again, and I hate to bring it back to that, but don't be afraid that you're going to mess something up. I mean, let's just look through. Well, how about we say this? You're going to mess something up. Exactly. Like let's look at the old Testament. Let's look at the people that God used, right? So God first, the people that he introduces the world to is what Adam and Eve. What does Adam and Eve do? They sin. And then you get to their sons. What does Cain do? He kills Abel. And then you go, you get to, you finally get to uh, Noah. What does Noah do? He gets drunk when he gets off the boat. What does Abraham do? He tells a man that his wife is his sister and almost pimps out his wife to another man so that he could be safe. His son does the same thing. And then you get you go all the way throughout the li- the the lineage of Christ, and you see what broken men, broken women, that screwed something up, but God still in some way used them for His will and His good for the furtherment of His kingdom, and He does the same thing in the New Testament, and He does the same thing in our lives today, that He uses broken people to make things whole, and. So you, you're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. I don't care if this is the first time you share the gospel or even if it's the hundredth or two hundredth time that you share the gospel with somebody, you're going to make stakes, mistakes at some point. And that's perfectly okay. Because as we talked about, we are not the ones that save anyone's soul. And I think this, this, could, this could be an entire other episode conversation. So I'll just make this statement and we'll move on. But doesn't that mentality go back to our pride? Yep. Doesn't that so mentality? That God needs me yes. to yeah. save that person. Yeah, that's right. And, and the reality is, though, that takes us all the way back to our view of man and God. Mm-hmm. We have elevated the view and the, the, the 
mentality of mankind mm -hmm. to almost a godlike state where, I mean, even down to our language, accepting Jesus as my savior, as though he needs my acceptance. The moment that we can bring ourselves to a place of desperate need for Jesus, desperate need for salvation, desperate need of the good news of the gospel. That's the moment that we begin to let him truly work through us mm -hmm. in our evangelism efforts, where we, it, we approach a conversation going, man, I ain't got nothing to offer to this, mm -hmm. but I believe that the Holy Spirit still wants to use me because that's just how good he is. Um, yeah. So it, it, it really does just drive back to that, that ongoing sin of, of pride and, and elevating man above yeah. what we were ever intended to be. And though I think it's the, still the same side effect of pridefulness and sin of not understanding who God is in this uh, hierarchy scale, but I do think that some people are genuinely scared of messing something up because of the seriousness of the gospel. And so we don't want to discredit that as a fear, but I think so often we misunderstand who is in control of all this. Uh, and so I think that fear can be genuine, but it still leads us to sin. And so I think we have to be careful with that. Well, there's a major difference between fear of failure and fear of God. Yeah. You know, and, and I think if we have a healthy fear of God, we will absolutely understand the weight of the gospel. Yeah. And in that, we'll, we will make an effort to continue to refine our understanding of the gospel mm -hmm. so that we can better communicate it. So really and truly, the more we practice it, the better we're going to get not only at having the conversation, but the better we're going to get at being able to articulate what we believe the gospel says. That's a healthy fear of God and not so much a fear of messing it up on my own. Yeah. I think, and this is, this may also be a conversation for another day, but I think so often uh, in time past, what we've done in churches is we've made it seem like new believers can't share the gospel. We absolutely have. And that you have to meet this certain tier of the new believers course to actually go out and share the gospel with someone. Well, we see that nowhere in scripture. Mm -hmm. When you think about the woman at the well, she is still living with her husband when she encounters Christ mm -hmm. and she goes and shares the gospel with everybody and brings them back to the source. Now, obviously it's a different story, different time. We don't know nothing about the woman at the well after Christ leaves there. But what we do see is that she immediately goes and tells the gospel. And I think that's something that we so often we don't push people to do at the beginning of their walk with Christ. We just tell them to invite somebody to church and treat treat that as if it's enough. And tithe and attend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think we've done a decent job of discussing this. And like we said at the very beginning, we did an episode on this the first Monday in August. And so we want to encourage you to maybe go back and listen to that episode if you have not listened to it already um, because it addresses it at a different kind of approach and I actually I don't think Jamie was on that episode but Chris was and so you also have Chris's um, kind of view of evangelism as well and so I want to encourage you to go back listen to that episode um, with that being said we're going to jump into the plugs of the week and I am going to tell you the same two plugs that I told I told on that episode and the first one is Evangelism Is, and it's just a, a fantastic little book. David Evely, and another guy wrote this one, and a fantastic little book on evangelism. 
And then one that I read a long time ago that I really need to go back and read is called Learning Evangelism from Jesus. And it's one that I had to read in my bachelor's degree. And it's really just looking at the life of Christ and uh, approaching evangelism as he did. Um, and I think that's a fantastic resource as well. Um, what about you guys? What resources you got for the listeners? I actually do have a, a good resource this week. Uh, is it related to evangelism? Yes, it is. Oh, really? <laughs> it is. First time for everything. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> once in a blue moon. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I, I've, I've talked about R.C. Sproul a few times on here. I don't know if people are getting tired of hearing about him, but of course he has these wonderful little booklets, the crucial question series. There's multiple booklets that kind of address different uh, foundational aspects of the Christian life. And one of, one of his books is what is the great commission and chapter two actually covers evangelism in depth. Uh, There's also chapter four, which is, uh, a more systematic look at evangelism, but you know, this kind of, it's a free e-booklet. If you want to, if you have like a, um, a, uh, Kindle, Amazon Kindle, you can go in there and download it for free. You can um, get it on Apple bookstore as well. Okay. And then you can get it on Apple. I'm sure probably most e-book, uh, carriers will have that for free. So you can get it for free. If you actually do want a physical copy, I think they're like, three dollars on the Ligonier website i'm sure you can get off amazon or anything like that but yeah it's just a little booklet that i think would be good to read through you can probably knock it out in a couple hours and and we'll help our listeners out there with evangelism yeah and i would the last the last time we spoke on evangelism i plugged the i guess i could call it an evangelism strategy i use that term lightly i don't like that word but uh the three circles Great approach. way, approach. Okay, yeah, thank you. I like approach a little more. Uh, the three circles is a great, simple thing for you to practice and to learn how to do, uh, how to use it. There's an app uh, that you can download to learn the three circles. But then another one, if you're in youth ministry, I, I want to share this one because I think this is a great little Bible study that you can do with your students. You can do it personally, whatever, however you want to. It's a it's an eight week study called Shine. S-H-I-N-E, and it's through Dare to Share Ministries, um, and you can look that up online. They've got a great website that, that helps you to understand really what you're accomplishing through that, but basically the Bible study is focused on teaching us how to have gospel-centered conversation and then how to share the gospel in that, how to transition a conversation, all of the above. Wonderful study um, has benefited me tremendously, even though I don't necessarily use uh, that method now at least not consistently when I when I'm sharing the gospel or having gospel conversation, but it taught me some awesome. I guess you could say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it taught me some some awesome ways of thinking about evangelism, so that I could practically and, and purposefully have conversation with people. So shine by Dare to Share Ministries. Well, just to end with some encouragement, just remember when one comes to Christ and salvation, it is a complete work of God, not a work of themselves and not a work of the one that is presenting the gospel. So do not be afraid of messing it up. Just get out there, share the gospel, and then do due diligence through your personal life and your personal walk with Christ and be prepared. Well, guys, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And like I said earlier, if you I want to go back and listen to the other episode on evangelism. It is called Relational Evangelism, and it came out the first Monday in August. 
But this has been an episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast, and we are a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page, share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. Uh